It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, of course, from The Athletic, our friend Sam Amick. Sam, hello. Hello, guys. How we doing? We're hanging in there, Sam. Uh, we hope you are, too. We're just kind of... Uh, jump in on our conversation we're just kind of digesting this second bubble concept in chicago uh that we're learning about do you have thoughts on what they're trying to do here yeah i mean um they've been trying for quite some time to find uh, some solutions for the eight teams not headed to orlando and you know there's a lot of interest for most of those teams in essentially not going from march to november without their players doing anything organized without competing. And so, you know, a bunch of teams had volunteered to host a what would be a second campus similar to Orlando. Some teams, you know, preferred to do something in their home market. Um, it's uh, today's news that, you know, like I reported last week that there was some optimism. And Michelle Roberts, the executive director of the Players Association, had said publicly that, she had reservations and really she wanted the same level of safety in a possible second campus that they had established in the first one in Orlando. So uh, today Chicago emerges as a possible site of the second campus, but I think we still have a little ways to go here. I, I did confirm that on today's call with GMs of those interested teams in the NBA, that Chicago was presented as the only you know, like the focus in terms of uh, a possible city, but it was definitely also told that it's not close and it's not for sure. So we'll see. Um, but, you know, it, it's just uh, – it's basically the league trying to, to keep its players busy somehow, but obviously to do it safely. Sam, uh, Adam Silver sort of left the door open a little bit for the possibility that uh, this thing might not happen. Uh, that's not likely, but, man, it's a little scary right now what's going on in Florida. It is, for sure. Um, you know, if you listen to the experts in the medical community, you you get a real sense that, I mean, common sense – you don't have to have your doctor to understand some of the concern here because the more COVID-19 cases there are around that campus, then the more uh, likelihood that somebody might penetrate that environment, you know, and get too close to a staff member or a player. And obviously, you know, you could have a super spreader event from there. Um, but the flip side of that is that you continue to talk to people who try to add perspective and I'm talking NBA people, uh, by saying, you know, they get the concern, but based on all the precautions being taken, one could also make the argument that it's a far safer environment than the vast majority of places in this country right now. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just everybody's going to be on edge until they get to Orlando, if they get to Orlando, and then you see what happened in the MLS this week where the, the soccer league got to Orlando, they have a similar setup and they already have positive cases. 
from inside their campus. And that's obviously what they were hoping to avoid and what the NBA fears, you know, when they arrive. Sam Donovan Mitchell uh, had kind of a Zoom press conference today, and he addressed um, his relationship with Rudy Gobert, and he said that they're ready to go and ready to hoop. Uh, but one thing he did say, he said that they also had some on-the-court friction uh, this year. Um, and it kind of begs the question, how do you feel about Rudy and Donovan's fit together as, as kind of an NBA one-two punch? Do you like their games together? Uh, I mean, for the most part, yeah, they've done some – good work together and obviously two incredibly important players for their program. I think, you know, that a lot is going to ride on how they compete together in Orlando. Again, let's assume that they can pull this project off and get there and play all these games because if it doesn't go well, which it it might not, then I think the Jazz got some tough decisions to think about. You know, Rudy... I believe has one year left on his deal. Donovan is up for an extension and just kind of, you know, I mean, on the one hand, I'm not in Salt Lake city and I'm not local media that has a pulse on this, that, that I simply couldn't have by not being there. I do talk to that group on a fairly consistent basis. And just my, this is just me and my gut. I mean, you know, it doesn't, just doesn't seem like the greatest dynamic. It's not, you know, nobody's trying to sit here and say it's Kobe Shaq part two, uh, and first of all, that, that'd be pretty damn good. They got three titles together. But um, but it's it just – I watched Donovan's media today, and he he is very good at being very deliberate about what he says, and that almost kind of heightens your – like I listened very closely to the way he chose to frame this thing, and I understand that technically speaking he said that their relationship was very good, but anybody – who watched the video and watched his body language and watched, like it was a very tepid response to, you know, it, there was no love and affection being shared and telling everybody to, to leave Rudy alone because he's my guy. I mean, that certainly didn't happen. And I'm not saying by any means that it should have. Uh, what's real is real, but it seemed like he just essentially said that, that me and this other coworker are doing fine and we're going to go do our jobs. Sam, how often, I don't know if Jake agrees with me, but it, it, it seems like uh, Donovan is at 23, he's evolving into the adult Donovan Mitchell, the, 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 a stronger presence, a more confident presence, not just in basketball, but in all matters. And uh, have you seen that? Have you seen that a lot in covering uh, young stars where they – they are transitioning from sort of these young kids into men. Yeah, no question. Um, I don't. I don't know that it's it's certainly not unique to this generation, but there, there's a, quite a few guys like that. It, you know, it's funny because I was reading some quotes from Zion Williamson today in his media session, and he is turning 20 soon, or maybe he just turned 20. I forget. And he talked about his birthday and how he had not felt like a teenager for a long time. And, you know, and, and in general, he's another guy that has very quickly learned how to carry himself and and knowing that the spotlight is on all the time. And Donovan's experience was not like Zion's in terms of the spotlight early on, but it certainly has picked up steam very quickly once he started doing good things within the NBA, and yeah, he's, I mean, he's always 
then composed publicly, um, and, and you know the way that he's moved through this pandemic period has been fascinating because. You know, Tim McMahon, a, a buddy of mine, writer for ESPN, asked him on the call very fairly, like, why did you choose not to address the situation with Rudy all that much publicly and let people essentially speculate? And he had a very pragmatic answer where he just said, first of all, I, you know, I've spoken to the people internally and that's who matters most. You know, secondly, I'm not looking to, I forget how he phrased it, but basically I'm not looking to, to give you guys content. Um, just to to give you something to write about to talk about, uh, and it was hard to argue with his logic. So he does that a lot. Where you, you know, it's, it's not hard to see where he's coming from when he tries to analyze either his situation or the team's situation. And he's among the more poised guys who are still fairly young. Um, and you know, yeah, I think he's only getting better on that front. Even the way that he, you know, he talked about the Black Lives Matter issues and and some of the more bigger the basketball stuff that is front and center right now and I thought they did a nice job there too. Sam Amick of The Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And uh, Sam, as I've uh, been paying attention, as we all have, to players who will not go to the Orlando uh, bubble for a variety of reasons, um, I I see Avery Bradley for the Lakers not going, and it seems to me that that might be the most impactful one uh, just because he's a starter for them. And uh, I know we all, you know, have our opinions on J.R. Smith, but he can't you know, replace Avery Bradley. He's he's a great player. What do you what do you think about that? What do the Lakers? Where do the Lakers go? And is there a consequential, more consequential player that I'm not thinking of? Um, man, I gotta memorize this list. You know, you have right. I mean, you got guys. You have guys that have contracted COVID, and the typing you hear is I'm gonna. Sorry, Sam, I always seem to put you on the spot every week. I apologize. I should should send my question in advance. (laughs) What do you think I do this for a living or something? (laughs) Um, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is who came to mind. He tested positive. Right. And so let's see, you know, if we get to see Malcolm from the very beginning. That's an extremely important player for the Pacers. Um, I think he he would trump Avery. But Avery, because, first of all, you're talking about you know, Pacers versus Lakers, one's a title contender, one is not. Um, and then the margin of difference between Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, who I think we all agree those are the top three, it's um, – and Avery Bradley, a guy like that, could be the determining factor. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but, you know, it, it, when you have that little space between elite teams, then that could be the case. In fact, I'm going to write a little bit about that in this notebook I'm doing today for tomorrow about how I talked to one scout who felt like uh, JR, if he's anything close to a good version of JR from the past, that he actually thought they got better because um, shooting was such a deficiency that JR should be able to fill that. And then I talked to another scout who saw it the exact same, uh, opposite way, I'm sorry, um, and that the uh, the reliability and, and Avery Bradley and what he gives you defensively was going to be missed a pretty great deal by the Lakers. So, you know, that one's big. And then, listen, Dwight Howard is still on the fence about playing. I think Dwight will play, but he's known to be unsure at this point. And it it appears partly because his six-year-old son uh, lost his mother recently, and that's a real tough personal situation. And on top of that, he had some strong views about, you know, how his voice should be used in, in terms of Black Lives Matter. So, 
the Lakers, I think we're safe saying at minimum, the Lakers have more uncertainty with their group than any of the other elite teams because the Clippers and the Bucks are squared away. They don't have injuries. They don't have coronavirus tests uh, positive. And they, you know, they have Giannis out of the Kumpo with the Bucks now fully healthy. He had a knee problem when the season was suspended. You know, Clippers appear to have everybody feeling good. So, um, you know, that, that I think is going to be uh, on display once they get there. Once play begins again, it'll be fascinating to watch and see if everyone stays healthy, Sam. But uh, I'm looking at the Nets. Is there anybody left on their roster to play? <laughs> yeah, that's one where you, you kind of wish there was like an exemption where you could just tell them, never mind, stay home. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess, I guess I should be happy for Jacques Vaughn because, you know, ESPN reported sometime this week that they were speculating that Jacques would ultimately get that Nets job permanently, which was, it's counterintuitive, right? Because we thought that he was coaching for his job and that anything other than some success would lead to him being replaced because now you got no Kyrie Irving, no Kevin Durant, no DeAndre Jordan, no Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I don't know if I'm leaving anybody else out, but yeah, I mean, they just were decimated. And now the problem is it's like, to me, it's a compound interest type dynamic, meaning that all the players who remain, like if you want to see, maybe I'll be wrong, but I, if you want to see what like player tanking looks like, you know, I think watching a Nets game might be a safe bet in Orlando because I just cannot imagine that those remaining guys are going to be having fire in their bellies, so to speak, and having the level of competitiveness that they would have had if they thought they had a real crack at this thing. Sam Amick of The Athletic uh, with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, Sam, I want to ask you about the overall price tag for the Orlando bubble. At, uh, we found out $150 million. But I, I got to tell you, I, I did feel some sense of relief that the Disney company is ripping off the NBA just like they rip off the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, clearly, we're not on ESPN Radio right now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's wild. Um, I I thought you were going to go a different way, Jake. I don't have you know that number is so big, but I thought it was weird that it got showcased and featured in the way that it did. In terms of like, okay, you're spending 150 million. Well, like we've reported several times, you're getting approximately 900 million back, and that's just in national TV money alone. Yep. You know, there's all kinds of other revenue streams that don't get taken into account. I believe I've seen some estimates that even double that number and get it up near $2 billion, um, in terms of the, the final money earned, potentially. So, you know, pretty good kind of value on the dollar. And But it's, it's also, yeah, all the tests um, cost a ton of money. The exorbitant food cost is tied directly to how careful they're being. Even with me, I'm tentatively planning on going into the bubble on the back end so I wouldn't get inside. I would do things from home until late August, and then I would go for the second round, the conference finals and the finals. But, um, you know, food would be delivered to your room most of the time. It's just not – it's just a very different financial structure because of, you know, players aren't going to dinner at at a restaurant and – swiping a personal credit card or anything. It's 
it's all very, very different and, and obviously very costly. I, I had just seen a picture from somebody from Major League Soccer who had sent out this picnic lunch that they got that supposedly cost $75 or something just crazy. Right. And I just remember right. the prices for food at Disney World when I was there. <laughs> it's, it's about yeah. the same. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm That's with you. I, you know, yeah, I'm telling you, I grew, up a, I grew up a Disney kid. I'm still bummed that it's going to be weird to go there. And, and uh, I've only been to Disney World once. And I mean, granted, I, I don't really want to go that badly because my family won't be with me. But it's still, it's going to feel very bizarre to be right next to Disney World and, and not be able to actually go partake. But you see, when you're when you reach a status that that Sam has reached, Jake, he gets to fly in for the best part, you know, the most important part, and doesn't have to trudge through everything in the preliminary stuff. You know, that's that, <laughs> well, that's Gordon, nice. you know me too well because. Part of it is, I mean, I did want to cover the most high-profile games. I would also be lying to you if I didn't admit. I want it to go well for everybody. I want everybody to stay healthy. And so I guess technically speaking, that means I definitely hope that I'm there in September and through mid-October. But um, the flip side of that kind of critical thinking is, yeah, if this thing's going to fall apart and can be done after two weeks because – it didn't go well. Um, yes, then I'm I'm fine watching that happen from home and never going there at all. Yeah, Sam. I think we, as we, we, I think I think we can all relate to where you're coming from on this, Sam. And you've been consistent with that for a long time now. You know your priorities are in order. You've talked about your concern for your family, and that you love your job, you love your work. But man, there's just like the players, there's all kinds of things on on your mind too, on all of our minds. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, I wrote last week that it felt like a rocket launch where they got the rocket off the ground a little bit, and, but you're not really at ease until that thing gets back from the space station and, and everybody's safe. So we got a long ways to go. Sam, thank you very much, as always, and we look forward to talking to you next Thursday. All right, guys. Thank you. Have a good weekend. All right. There you go. Sam Amick, our good friend from The Athletic. We'll have more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.